This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello! Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 9, and today we're talking about children and young people with additional needs, their families, how we can support them, anything to do with that. So if that's you, welcome. I'm so glad you found us. Fantastic. If you're listening uh, in order to support family members or people in your church, that is wonderful as well. But if this isn't for you today, feel free to just send this on, pass it on to someone who it might be helpful for. In this season, we've gone very specific, we know that, and it's to try and help people to find the resources that are most useful to them. But it does mean that not everything's going to be for everyone. So feel free to send it to a friend um, and skip back to an episode you haven't listened to, but that would still really help us out. So thank you. Um, We really, really care about supporting families with children and young people with additional needs. And we've got lots of resources on our website and we're trying to add to that all the time. Uh, We know they're not always easy to find, so you can pop additional needs in the search bar of our website um, or I'll pop some links in the show notes because we've got a section for parents and carers and a section for churches where we really go a little bit more in depth, where we're able to ask people who are wiser and more knowledgeable than us, people who have experience, people like Naomi and Mark, who we're going to be hearing from later, Kay Morgan Gurr and others. So do make use of that. I also wanted to let you know that we've got um, an extra guide that goes along with the Parenting for Faith course to help make sure it's really relevant and applicable to families that have children and young people with additional needs. So do register your course if you're doing uh, that. I'll pop it again, pop a link in the show notes. Um, But that just enables us to send that to you and you can really make sure that the language is inclusive, that they're not left out. If we need to explain things in a different way to include people that we can do it. So we would love to make the most of that. I had so many options what to put in this episode, I couldn't decide. So it's just a little bit of a taster, a little bit of a tour. We're going to start off with Dr. Naomi Graham, who is Growing Hope's founder and CEO. She's a children's occupational therapist. And we wanted to ask her a question about how to help a child with limited communication to connect with God, how to help them pray and what that might look like. Then Rachel Turner, the founder of Parenting for Faith, Um, shares a little bit about how to approach going to church if it's something that's difficult for your family because of your additional needs. Um, Yep, and how to do that. And then we've got two segments from Mark Arnold, who's the Additional Needs Ministry Director at Urban Saints, uh, and he's also the Additional Needs Blog Father. Uh, And he is going to speak, first of all, to parents. He's got three key truths for parents. So if you're a parent or carer, of a child or young person with additional needs. I hope that'll be helpful and encouraging to you. And then Becky Segretarik from our team interviews him about siblings. Uh, So siblings of children who have additional needs, how can we support it, be supporting them, helping them, encouraging them? So I know not all of this will be relevant, but do listen in and share the whole episode or any sections that you find helpful. And keep sending us in your questions. We create things in response to what you ask for. So do let us know what you'd like. But let's go straight over now to Naomi. 
Lovely. So this is Anna. I'm here with Naomi Graham, who Rachel has already introduced. Um, Naomi, we know that you believe, like us, that all children can experience and flourish in a deep relationship with God, no matter what their shape, their background, whatever they've got going on. Um, and you talk a little bit about that in your book, don't you, that there are many different ways that children with additional needs um, perceive the world around them. How do you think that affects their um, ability to connect with God and to pray and hear from him? Yeah, absolutely. So I really believe that every every child and young person, whatever their needs are, can connect with God in lots of different ways. And one of the things I talk about in my book is sensory processing. So I look at the way that we take in and respond to the world around us and how that I guess impacts our ability to communicate and connect with God so we can hear and respond to God through all of our different senses so the way that we see the way that we hear the way that we smell the way that we taste the way that we touch and the way that we move our bodies so for me I think there are lots of different practical things that we can do and also just start to recognize in the way that children connect and can experience God and the Holy Spirit and hear what he's saying to them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Anyone who anyone who has a relationship with God knows it's not just about talking and listening. Like, there's so there's so much else going on. So, I think most of us, if we think about it, we know that's true for us as well. That's so that's such a helpful way of thinking about it. Thank you. Um, and so, then, what would your advice be to parents who are trying to help their children find their own way of expressing themselves to God? So, children with additional needs or or not, you know, the full spectrum, if they want to express themselves to God, but they're not quite sure how to. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about knowing your child and your needs obviously as you just said we are all individuals aren't we and we all you know I might hear God quite differently to the way that you hear God and I think just like you say having that in our heads is really helpful and then just having an idea of where our children are at so if I'm you know listening to God with a child who with a baby who isn't yet speaking then the way that I listen to God and the way that I pray with him would be very different to a child who is very verbal and very intellectual so for example with a baby um I might I might be praying that they know God's arms of love surrounding them and I might give them a really big cuddle and I'll be praying that they know God's presence like that. They know him kind of physically surrounding them. Whereas with, a, you know, maybe a teenager who has Asperger's or like is really questioning and wants to know the like exact um, way that God might be able to speak to them, I might use a, a much a different approach, a much more intellectual approach and kind of talk about I actually chat and catch and all of the things that um, Rachel suggests there I think is super helpful and just explaining actually you know, the way that we have our imagination, the way that we can think about our favourite food that's the way that we can sometimes think about God and he can speak to us in that way so using different approaches depending on the child mm. and their needs Yeah and you touched on that there a little bit um, it's sort of a two-way thing isn't it it's helping children express themselves to God but also identify and receive God's communications to them as well have you um obviously in your work with children from all different backgrounds and abilities um how have you seen that sort of outwork itself um one of the things I love doing the most is praying through playing and I love just seeing children do that and and the way that they connect with God through that so you know when I've been at New Wine or working with children in through my charity I um 
if they're like you know for example playing with a car and watching the car go along you know watching it go along the floor I might be praying over them you know or either out loud or or just in my head but praying that they would know God journeying with them and giving them the chance to ask God what you know what he's saying to them as they journey with him or just giving that space to you know ask God to come and see what he does it doesn't have to involve language it can just be you know connecting in a different way and I think as well that yeah I think you know we can express ourselves in all sorts of different ways and I I love like the fact that we can be really quiet and connect with God or we can be really noisy and connect with God so I think often sometimes particularly when children you know have lots of energy or maybe have ADHD or you know find it hard to contain themselves and um, move around a lot like that doesn't mean that we can't connect with God in that way so we've done lots of kind of you know let's run as we talk to God or let's stamp on these um on the floor or pop this bubble wrap or pop these bubbles as we pray and yeah there are all sorts of ways that we can enable connection in a way that helps children yeah and what I love about what you're saying there is you're really thinking about the individual child and what they enjoy and what works well for them um and I think that's just such a lesson to us as parents to say hey you know you know your child really well um you know you know them better than anyone else think about what they like what they don't like what they engage with and you know feel free to try something you might try something and it totally bombs but that's okay try something else or on a different day um and I just love your creativity and kind of thinking of different approaches there Thank you. Yeah, and I think it's exactly that. I think the um, the everydayness is really important. So I think, you know, that's actually one of the things that I talk about a lot as an occupational therapist in terms of supporting children in their everyday. But if we, as parents and as people supporting children, bring things into the everyday, like, you know, that, I mean, that's what we want with our kids' faith anyway, isn't it? Yeah. We want it to be part of their everyday. But just doing, you know, like even... I don't know if it's my six-month-old at bedtime, I might do a little foot massage as I put their pyjamas on or, you know, but use that as a way to pray that they know God's presence with them. Or I might cook dinner with my child and as we, you know, mix and stir all the ingredients together, talk about different things that God talks to us about or, you know, all of those kind of things. Yeah, I love it. And that makes it manageable, doesn't it? Because it's not another thing to think about and plan, but it's just part of what you're doing anyway. For our question today, um, I was having an individual conversation with a parent, which is why I don't have the question written down. And uh, this parent uh, has a child um, who's absolutely fantastic, creative, and wonderful, and uh, really delightful. But also, uh, as part of the way his brain works, has ADHD and autism. And, uh, and their family really struggle with coming to a church service because of how um, their child normally engages with the world is not the way a service functions. And it makes it quite hard for the parents and for the child. And just as a family, that service isn't working. And so uh, the question sort of rose up to say, you know, is it is it worth us going through all of the stress of trying to participate in a service if it's not feeling worth it for anybody? And uh 
I just felt like I wanted to say something here. Um, again, I'm not a, a additional needs expert. I'm just someone who loves families and has worked with families. And so this is just one person's opinion. Uh, you have to, you know, weigh it up and you have to consider what's right for your family. You're the expert in your family. But here's a few thoughts. Um, one, I just want to go in there and cut off all shoulds of expectations of what a family should do and what is right for a family should to do. I feel like sometimes... Um, we feel like we have to squeeze our family into the mold of expectations of Christi, not even Christianity, of, of what what our brains tell us Christian families do. And um, I just want to say that if we put that down, then the stress isn't about how do we conform to what we feel we should be doing and more being able to take a step back and say, how can I facilitate our family engaging with the blessing that is the church body. Um, the second point I want to make is, yes, your child needs church, needs the gift that is church for our children. But what that looks like is very different. That does not mean your kid has to come to a church service. Um, I just want to remind you of what church is about. It's about a place to draw near to God. It's a place to be loved and to love others. It's a place to be encouraged into all you're called to be and do. It's a place to be needed as part of the body of Christ, to be recognized as the powerful contributor um, to others. It's a place to um, be vulnerable and helped on our journey with God. And how that looks is completely up to you. That can be a small freestyle community. It could be outdoor walks with one person that your child loves. It can be 15 minutes of going to a house group where they are welcomed and that someone plays with them and they are delighted in and prayed for and then you leave. It could be showing up before the service uh, to to meet people when the church, when the space is quiet and when the worship band is playing quietly just to experience the space, to be greeted and then to leave before it becomes stressful or to create a sensory space or a quiet room to relax in. Um, it does not have to look like anybody else. If going into a main service is is a place that is not helpful for your child. What The question to ask is, how can I help my kid draw near to God alongside other people who know them and love them? How can they love and be loved? How can they be encouraged by others and needed and, and empowered to be useful and contribute? And how can they be helped on their journey with God by others other than our family? And that may look vastly different. Be empowered to find the what church looks like for you. Um, my third point is that it's okay for you to need church too, whatever support you need. I would suggest you ask for it. Maybe the church can help. Maybe they can't. You know, sometimes our children need one-to-ones and the church children's ministry just can't provide it. Or maybe they can find a buddy for your kid. Sometimes uh, they are able to create space for you. Um, maybe it's about gathering three people who just will come to your home and pray over you and your family and to, to reduce the, the stress of travel. It's okay to set out spaces and terms that you need to access church by that may different from be different from other people and maybe different from your kid. Um, you need a church community to wrap around you. And um, oftentimes church communities are willing to bend to help because they love you. And the fourth thing I just want to say is to be confident in your choices 
and be willing to surf the waves and know that others may be willing to as well. You know, I, I knew one family um, who had a child uh, who was uh, nonverbal and uh, but really loved sound. And so we would invite this family in uh, into this cavernous church that we had that had all these echoes and the kid loved echoes. Um, and so we would always create space for um, that family to come early and to give the child full reign of the space. And, uh, and he would... He would yell and he would laugh and he would run around and I would lay with him on the carpet on the nave and we would um, laugh and touch things and touch the communion stuff and we would just explore it and make space and I would invite God in to play with us as we wandered around and it was 10-15 minutes of, of doing something but that was a beautiful place where other people would would be there quietly smiling and welcoming and praying over them. And uh, and then I would pray for them as a family, and we would just have this real peace of God there. And then the family would sometimes stay and sometimes not, but there was a, a place of welcome and love for that family. That was what that family wanted. I know another family who you know sat with some additional needs coordinators at our church, and we created a one-to-one program. Um, I know other people. Um, one person when I was growing up was uh, someone in a wheelchair, um, who uh, really just loved verbally responding to what the preacher was preaching. And, and it didn't come out in necessarily words, but, uh, oh, and our, our leader would talk to him and they would go back and forth. And uh, he really carried a, a presence. He joined the prayer ministry team and, and would just sit there. Even though he couldn't minister with words, he ministered with his heart. And it was beautiful. And I remember growing up as a child being prayed for by him and those who were um, with him on the team and just being really blessed by his ministry. And so the question is, what do you think would be right for your family? And teach us as a community what we can do to help. We might not be able to fix it. We might not be able to do all the things, but trust that the church community loves you and your family. And we will try. Um, we will try because your child and you need church, but it may look different than than other people because that's what fits your family best and that is a great thing to know and to be confident in that this isn't about forming into somebody else's idea of church it's about saying what does church look like for us and letting the church be a part of that exciting journey for your family hello my name is mark arnold from urban saints And this is BRF Parenting for Faith. Spiritual parenting can be a journey that's difficult and confusing for any parent. It can be full of setbacks and challenging questions. It can be fraught with the danger of us saying one thing and doing another. It can be full of unexpected surprises as well as being a total joy and blessing for us and our child. But throw into that mix the complications that might arise with our child having additional needs, and that's a whole different set of issues to think about. So let's make this simple. Let's think about this in three easy to follow ways that can help us all to take some of the anxiety, worry and uncertainty out of spiritually parenting a child with additional needs. Here's three truths to hold on to and to use as a foundation for everything else we do. Number one, little and often. Spiritual parenting isn't something we think about every now and then, something to bring out and dust down on a Sunday, but then ignore for the rest of the week. Spiritual parenting is something that we do all of the time. 
It's true for any parent, but can be even more the case for a parent of a child with additional needs. It's the little everyday things that we do, the things that we do often that give us the best opportunity to spiritually parent our child. Teaching them about Jesus by being Jesus to them. Sharing his love with them in all the little things we do with them and for them each day. Think about some of the things that you do with and for your child. And then think about some of the things that Jesus did to show us the way that we should live our lives and the way that we should disciple others. He came to serve, not to be served. So much of our time as parents of children with additional needs is spent tending to their needs, serving and supporting them. Jesus modelled this in so many ways during his ministry. And during those times, he served people and taught them too. His example still teaches us today and helps us to teach our children. He washed people's feet. He shared food with people. He touched people who were disabled or sick. As we wash or bathe our child, as we prepare food and help to feed our child, as we touch them and tend to them in whatever way their additional needs require, we can be Jesus to them. We can show them his love, his peace, his grace. We have a hundred opportunities a day to share the gospel with our child through the way that we are ministering to them. There's a saying that's widely and probably incorrectly attributed to St Francis of Assisi, but it's a great thought for us. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Let our actions shout the gospel message out to our children. Let them see the love of Jesus in our eyes. Let them feel the touch of Jesus as we tend to them. Number two, nothing is lost. Sometimes we might wonder if any of it stays with our child. Is the faith that we share with them sticky? Does it reach them at that time, but then drift away like the morning mist on a summer's breeze? My son James, who's autistic, has learning disability and epilepsy, has been to church ever since he was a baby. He's grown up in the church and been exposed to the word of God through that time. And and as such, I believe that the words Paul wrote to Timothy are just as relevant for James and for all of the children that we parent and get alongside as we share the love of Jesus with them. You have known the Holy Scriptures ever since you were a little child. They're able to teach you how to be saved by believing in Jesus Christ. Recently, due to anxiety issues, James hasn't been to church so much. But in our times at home, when we pray and sing together, I truly feel that James knows he is loved by Jesus. James's favourite song for me to sing with him is, Jesus loves me, this I know. James is mostly non-verbal, but he joins in with some of the words. The words to the first verse are, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Then James joins in with a loud amen at the end, and I truly believe that James means every word he sings. Jesus loved Timothy, and he loves James too. Just as Timothy knew and recognised that love, so does James. The light that shines from his eyes and the joy all over his face tells me that. Nothing is lost. 
The love of Jesus is timeless. We sow the seeds of that love into our child a hundred times every day. Some might germinate and flower straight away before our eyes. Some may come into bloom in a week, in a month, in a year. Some may burst into beautiful colour after we are long gone. But none of those seeds are lost. None of them are wasted. The love of Jesus that we share with our child each and every day will stay with them forever. Number three, give space for God. Those spiritual seeds, those little acts of love that we share with our child each day teach us that it's not all just down to us. It's not just our job alone to bring our child into a place where they respond to the love of Jesus. It's a team effort involving other people that we know, reinforcing the love that we sow into our children's hearts, the way we are with them, with each other. But we also need to give space for God to water those seeds, to let the Holy Spirit move in our child's life. And sometimes this can be in the most unexpected way. Jack was about eight years old when I met him at Spring Harvest. I was involved in overseeing the inclusion provision there. And I learned that he is autistic, which in his case means, for example, that he doesn't communicate verbally, but does in other ways. He prefers not to be in a large group of noisy people and he can find contact with somebody he doesn't know difficult. Although he didn't know me, as I watched him building a tower out of Jenga blocks, I saw a lot of my own son James in him. I got down on the floor to the side of him and started to help him build the tower which he'd been struggling to build alone. First he let me collect the blocks for him to use, 12, 13, 14 blocks high. After a while he let me hold the tower as we built it so it didn't fall, 21, 22, 23 blocks high. Then with a crafty sideways glance at me out of the corner of his eye, I was given permission to add blocks to the tower myself, 33, 34, 35 blocks high. Despite our best efforts, the tower was really wobbly by now and suddenly crashed down it came. And I held my breath and I looked at Jack, but he just laughed, a wonderful belly laugh, a joy-filled laugh of pleasure. And with another sideways glance, I was invited to start to build again, one block two blocks, three blocks. Well, we kept going, but eventually I had to move on to do other things. And as I left, and as I look back at Jack, he suddenly seemed so weak and small again as he built the tower on his own, six or seven blocks high, and then it fell over. No joy-filled belly laugh anymore. And my heart broke in pieces. I thought a lot about Jack, whether he'd gained anything at all from his time at Spring Harvest, whether he'd been impacted by any of the spiritual program at all during his sessions. Has he just been child-minded, just being given something to do, or something more than that reached him? Well, a few days after Spring Harvest, I got my answer. His family had been in touch to say what had happened on their car journey home. It seemed that Jack, who, remember, is almost entirely non-verbal, had been singing Yes, singing a line from the song Cornerstone by Hillsongs, which was a song that the worship band in his session had been playing during the week that he was there. Jack was singing over and over, weak made strong, weak made strong, weak made strong, and his eyes shone as he sang. The full lyrics of that chorus are based on 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, and they go like this. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Saviour's love, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. When I heard what had happened, my heart broke for Jack again, but this time with joy. Joy that Jack's heart had been touched by this song, that through it, he had indeed encountered the Saviour's love. 
that through the storms of his young life, Christ alone is Lord of all. I can't sing that song anymore without remembering Jack, without thinking of him, without crying tears of joy that he's loved by his saviour. Jack taught me that there's always hope, hope for every child. He taught me that Jesus Christ can and does, through the power of the Holy Spirit, reach everyone, everyone with his love. So let's share that love a hundred times a day as we sow those seeds into our children in all the little things that we do with and for them. Let's remember that nothing is lost. Those seeds of love are eternal. And let's remember to give space for God and to believe in the unexpected. God bless. So I'm here again with Mark Arnold, the Additional Needs Blog Father and Urban Saints Additional Needs Ministry Director. And I just wanted to, to chat with you a little bit, Mark, about siblings, um, siblings of children with additional needs. And maybe um, for parents there, um, sort of any wisdom you've got or sort of sharing experience and stuff in that. Brilliant. Thanks, Becky. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, siblings, a much overlooked group. Uh, so often siblings can find themselves um, being a bit marginalised, being mm. you know, not deliberately, uh, but inadvertently can find themselves just being left to get on with it. Uh, and and that can be the case, uh, you know, within within a family, within church, with, you know, in, in lots of different settings. And, you know, and I say that as dad to a, a, a child with additional needs and disabilities and also uh, James's older sister Phoebe, um, who doesn't have uh, any additional needs, and you know we've we've found uh, time and time again we've had to be really careful to make sure that we are uh, taking uh, account of Phoebe's needs uh, and and helping her as well because yeah siblings do have a unique set of needs you know there's a, a, a unique package of challenges perhaps that that they face. So um, what would you say would, I'm just aware that like if it's hard for a family with a child addition needs to get to church or something like that, does that put pressure then on the sibling? How, how do you support a sibling's spiritual journey? Do they have big questions, um, things like that? Yeah, uh, yes to, to all of that. I think, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things about getting uh, to church. Obviously church is a bit different uh, uh, in a lot of ways at the moment, but uh, but whether that's getting to church in a physical building or getting to church online um, still involves a lot of organising and a lot of coordinating and a lot of trying to get things uh, sort of moving in the morning and all that sort of thing. And uh, within a household with a child with additional needs or disabilities, that can often be hard. And so uh, it can it can be easy for a family to to miss church and yeah. and that can mean that a sibling might miss church and if they're relying on uh, another family member to fire up the zoom session for example you know if that doesn't happen then they've missed church and and that social interaction uh, can be really important to them and, and particularly if if they're gathering in a in a building and uh, you know when when that happens again giving them the opportunity to be themselves uh, so you know i talked about james and his big sister phoebe phoebe often you know has been referred to as james's sister 
Uh, and uh, you know, when, whenever that happens, I, I, I look at her, and even now, you know, they're, they're they're both young adults now. But even now, when that happens, I look at Phoebe, and I can see on her face her saying, "I've got a name, you know, I'm Phoebe. <laughs> I'm not just James's sister. There's more to me than that." Uh, and and so, you know, within a church setting, it's important that we recognise that that we. Uh, we recognise the challenges that siblings face, but we also recognise that they're an individual. And uh, and so in that, we don't, uh, for example, expect that they will be the one that's looking after their disabled brother or sister. Uh, we don't make them the one-to-one carer uh, for their uh, brother or sister when they're in church, because church can be an opportunity for them to get some respite to be able to explore things for themselves to ask those big questions for themselves and and spend some time examining that to to form those social and relation relational connections with with other young people with other folk in the church congregation without constantly having to be looking at what their brother or sister's doing and, and making sure they're okay. Uh, you know, we, we, we need, whether as parents or other family members, you know, that, that, that opportunity to, uh, to, to do things for ourselves and, and siblings are, are, are very much like that. And, and yeah, they'll have those big questions. And some of those big questions might be questions like why, uh, you know, why my brother or sister, why our family? And the hidden question within that is, why me? You know, why, why, is, why has my brother got uh, additional needs and, and why has that had a, an impact on me? And, uh, you know, they're hard questions to ask. Those, those big apologetics questions are, are, are yeah. challenging, aren't they? What about, do, do you, you know, what about questions like, why did God let this happen? Yeah, you know, it's it's a really tough question uh, to grapple with, and and I think it's it's about trying to sort of focus more on the uh, the positives, you know, and saying that that actually, first of all, we 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 know that it's hard, that that actually things are hard, uh, and and not to dismiss that, and you know, it's very easy to throw out a. A Bible verse about how you know we're all wonderfully and perfectly made, and that includes their brother. Uh, and so let's move on uh, without actually recognizing that even though their brother is you know a, a child of God too, there are things that are hard about that, um, and that they're hard for their brother or sister. That's hard for them, hard for God too, uh, and God journeys with them and understands uh, that it's hard and wants to hear from them when they talk about how hard that can be. But also thinking about the positive things that having a child, a brother or a sister uh, with additional needs can bring. What have they learned? Uh, you know, what, what skills have they gained? What are the positives that have come out of their journey? And how can, in talking to God about that, they ask God to help them to use those gifts and skills and experience that, that they've gained uh, in positive ways, maybe to help others, maybe to help other brothers and sisters, other siblings uh, in turn, so that you know, they're able to share their journey and, and share their experience with others. You know, there's, there's organisations like SIBS. Mm-hmm. SIBS are a, 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 an organisation that links siblings of disabled children together uh, i think it's sibs.org.uk is their website 
Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a sibling who's trying to figure things out for themselves in connecting with, with sibs, again, it gives them an opportunity to share their journey a bit, to get some support, get some input, but also to be able to support and help others in turn. And turning things into a positive uh, is, is always going to be helpful, um, whether it's for a parent or a, a sibling uh, on their journey. That's really helpful. Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much. And as always, a question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation. What do you think God has put in you that is different to anyone else? You could say what makes you unique if that language works. But what do you think God has put in you that is different to anyone else? Have a great conversation. We'll see you next week when we're talking about gadgets and gaming. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.